This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Community Foundation, inspiring people to give back, to sustain, and advance the community that we love. To learn more, visit givedoorcounty.org. Hello and welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast. I'm Andrew Clyden and I'm joined today by Sarah Ray Lancaster, arts and entertainment editor for The Pulse. How's it going, Sarah? It's going really well. How are you? I'm doing well. I am getting geared up for a season of live music and performances. And luckily for me, Door Community Auditorium is announcing their season lineup on Friday. I know. I'm so excited. So we have a breakdown of some of the shows that are coming up in this week's Pulse. But as kind of a preview into the season, you spoke with the preseason headliner. And we have an interview with her coming up shortly. But let me know a little bit about your your takeaways from the season coming up and also your interview with uh, the preseason opener. So I had the chance to speak with Amethyst Kia. She is the preseason opener, like you had mentioned. And I think she's just going to set the tone for what they have in store for us. She describes her music as Southern Gothic. And that was a term that she coined A few years back, she said, when she was just trying to relate all the different layers that are involved in her music, and I think this hits it head on. It's kind of moody. It kind of plays to maybe darker, more somber storylines, but it's really rich, and it's got a really eclectic sound to it as far as what's inspired it. So it's a little bluesy, you know, a little bit of that that southern country, um, just some really good stuff. Southern Gothic is a really interesting musical genre because when you hear it, you know what it is. Yes. Like if somebody says Southern Gothic, and you're like, I don't know what that is. And then you hear a song, you go, oh yeah, it totally makes sense. But first time I ever heard of it, I was like, Southern Gothic, that's Evanescence meets Darius Rucker. <laughs> right. But that's not what it sounds like. Not at all, no. no. But it would have that, yeah, I could see where that would kind of make you think in that way. I guess the best way I can describe it from what I've listened to, especially off of her latest album, which will be predominantly what she's playing from at this show, It's very layered. It's a very layered sound. And to make it even more interesting when she talks about who her musical influences are, it's one of those answers where at first you go, really? But then as you listen to her music, you can definitely hear where it plays into that. Great. Well, without further ado, let's take a short break, hear about some of our podcast sponsors, and then we will jump into your interview with Amethyst Kia. This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by Door County Medical Center. Are you looking for a job in Door County with excellent benefits, culture, and potential for advancement through tuition reimbursement programs? Door County Medical Center is hiring. For more than 75 years, Door County Medical Center has been the leader in health and wellness for Door and Kiwani counties. Their integrated medical center provides a wide range of specialties, including primary care, behavioral health, general surgery, the Women and Children's Center, the Door Orthopedic Center, the Door County Cancer Center, and more. To join the team, apply today at dcmedical.org slash careers. The podcast is also brought to you by Destination Door County. Join Destination Door County in celebrating National Travel and Tourism Week from May 1st to the 7th. Tourism plays a critical role in financially supporting our residents and is the reason so many unique experiences, attractions, and things like restaurants, parks, and entertainment venues are available in Door County today for all to enjoy. Tax dollars generated from visitors also financially support municipal governments throughout the county and have helped pay for many park upgrades and public green space expansions. Join Destination Door County in recognizing the importance of travel in our community during National Travel and Tourism Week. 
I am excited to have you on the phone. Thanks for taking the time. I'm excited to learn more about your show coming to the Door Community Auditorium in May. So I, I wanted to talk a little bit with you about your music and what inspires you as a musician, but then also give you a little bit of time to preview the show for people that will be coming to see you on uh, the 13th, I believe. Yeah, yes. I'm a singer, songwriter, guitarist based out of Johnson City, Tennessee. It's in upper northeast Tennessee. Mm -hmm. So if you think about, you know, in relative, I guess, distance to Nashville or Memphis, Nashville is like in the middle of the state and then Memphis is all the way on the other end. So it's uh, it's a really long, skinny state spread out, but lots of good music all over from different places. And I started playing music when I was 13 years old. My parents bought me a guitar. They asked me what instrument I wanted to play because they saw that I took a strong interest in in music, and mm -hmm. they always played uh, music around the house. My dad had a really incredible, like, stereo system. So he had, like, all kinds of vinyl tapes. He would make mixtapes, all kinds of stuff. So he was really, really into, has always really been into music. And so I got my love for music and also my love for, you know, different kinds of music. I've always had really eclectic tastes. But what really inspires me as a musician um, and as a singer and as a songwriter is melody and rhythm are like so important to me. And all of the music that I've ever gravitated towards always had a strong sense of melody okay. and always had like something to say in regards to, you know, the human condition and human experiences. So those are the kinds of just, I guess, in a, that's the short version, I guess, of mm -hmm. that, but. Well, I was wondering, too, you know, when you come to, when you approach a song and, and you've got an idea, the fact that you mentioned it's kind of that melody and that rhythm that really drives it. So your creative process, is it something where you've got that idea for the melody and the rhythm and then the lyrics and the story come into play? Or is it an idea for a story that you want to tell and then you're matching it to that rhythm and and that melody, or how do you work through that creative process? Well, you know, it's, sometimes it can depend. You know, the song ideas and fragments can kind of come in any in any form. Sometimes it's maybe some words or some lyrics, maybe something I've read out of a book or maybe something I watched on a movie or a TV show. It'll be like an interesting line. Sometimes I'll be listening to music and then I'll think of, an, of a new melody and I'll like record that. Sometimes there'll be like a rhythmic idea that I really like and I'll sort of like maybe record that. So it really, you know, kind of just like experiencing life and taking pieces of the things that I'm experiencing that really like kind of hit me in a really strong way. And then over time of kind of collecting, sometimes it's like I try to separate it to where it's like I have a little bit of time where I'm just kind of collecting ideas and thoughts and like writing I'll do a lot of I, I journal pretty much every day so you know just having getting in the habit of like writing every day even if it's not a song and as I'm experiencing life and taking these nuggets of ideas and writing every day over time there are some times where I can sit down and I'll start writing a song and it'll be done and you know within four or five hours but then sometimes it you know may take a little longer but yeah each song is you know unique and different in its own way but I think the key for me, and I think, you know, most songwriters, the idea is that you're you're sitting down and you're writing every day and just keeping in that practice of thinking about writing. Um, there's this really great book that I read recently from uh, Jeff Tweedy. Mm -hmm. It's called How to Write One Song. And I, I needed to kind of approach songwriting in a slightly different way because 
a lot of the songs that I'd written for Wary and Strange came from deep emotional turmoil. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I mean, I'm happy to say that at this current state in my life, if things are on emotionally, mentally, physically, things are going pretty well. So I, you know, I don't want to like make something terrible happen so I can have a song to write about. <laughs> right, so now right. it's like, so now that I'm in this like different headspace, it's like, okay, now I can actually approach songwriting. Not that there's not going to be any an emotion or passion in it because it will, but coming from a place of like, I can explore an idea and really like, feel like I'm enjoying the process of creating something instead of like, Oh my gosh, I'm in so much pain. I have to get this out. Right. So it's right. like, it's, yeah, and it's it's a transition that I'm happily welcoming, and it's actually, you know, really challenging me to, like, try a whole new thing as far as, you know, with, with songwriting. And, you know, right now I've recently signed an administrator deal, so I'm going to be going into um, doing more co-writing, doing stuff for, like, TV and movies. So that's sort of like, so I'm going to be, like, meeting and connecting with other songwriters and kind of getting in on the co-writing game, too. And that'll also continue to push me and challenge me. That's exciting. That's it's some exciting fun. stuff. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And so I'm curious, you know, you came from a, a musical family and that was kind of the start of what sparked your interest. When was it that you knew you wanted to do something more with that and make it a career? I think for me, when I decided to make it a career would actually be like 10 years after I first initially started playing guitar. I knew that I wanted to try songwriting when I was 15. And I, at this point, I'd been, you know, taking like video guitar lessons for like the past two years and learning songs. And my friend's cool older sister had a Tori Amos VHS of all of Tori Amos' music videos. And I was like, all right, I'll, I'll check it out. And it really blew me away. And that was my first real like connection of like, oh, wow, I want to, I want to try to write songs. Cause like, I love the way she writes songs, you know, it really just resonated with me in such a powerful way. Cause she had such a, she had such a wonderful way of taking very like personal experiences mm -hmm. and, that happened in her life. But to be able to like make you feel how it felt and like that's such a powerful magical thing to be able to do and so I was that's what I've always kind of strived for but I was also very very shy I well first of all I'm more introverted so I kind of need to like you know recharge my load my alone time is when I is when I recharge sure, and then yeah. I go back out into the world and, but I also on top of that was also very shy and had a lot of social anxiety so that's why it took 10 years for me to actually like really try to put myself out there and try to perform. And that would happen at um, East Tennessee State University when I started studying old time music. So I spent like six or seven years, you know, I just fully diving in into like old time music, playing an old time string band at school, like doing research on different old time songs. And that was really where I kind of solidified my identity as like a you know, as a, an American, I guess, American roots artist, if mm -hmm, you will. Mm -hmm. And then in, in my later years now, especially with this last record, with Wary and Strange, I wanted to reconcile that with some of the weirdest stuff that I like to listen. I mean, a lot of old time music and it's, in and of itself, it's weird and quirky in its own way. But I also really love like the weirdness of like alternative music. And so Wary and Strange was, you know, in a, an attempt to reconcile both of those things and really happy with how it turned out. So yeah, so yeah going to keep it going. I wanted to ask about that too, because I'd read somewhere that you'd actually recorded that album 
a couple of times before you landed on mm-hmm. the sound and the feel that you wanted. And I guess I'm wondering what what was that moment where that aha moment, if you will, where it's like, that's it. That's the sound I've been looking for. And, and how did that all come together? Well, the moment and it, I guess there's lots of little bitty moments that happened leading up to the point. But the big aha moment was, you know, I was driving to show I was touring in Sweden and I was driving to Stockholm and I was just listening to a bunch of different music. I was listening to Dylan LeBlanc and Hozier's uh, new album. It was new at the time when it came out, Wasteland Baby, and then just some other things. And I was like really vibing on it. And then I put my record on and I was like, huh. So this is, and not that the record was bad, Mm -hmm. but it was like, oh, sonically, instrumentally, I'm not feeling this as much as I was feeling the other stuff. And then it occurred to me that it's like, oh, I need to move more in this direction because this resonates more with me. And I really thought about, there was another another thing that kind of brought me to that conclusion too, is I'd been kind of compartmentalizing my acoustic solo folk world with like my rock band songs and rock band stuff that I was doing. And all of the records I was listening to, like, had all of that on the same record. So when I got to my record and I, when I started to play my mixes, I was listening to, I was like, you know, I don't, I think maybe I need to just change, change directions here because, you know, it, it wasn't like hitting me in the same way that the other stuff was. And then it, and then it all kind of came together. Where I was like, you know what, these rock songs that I haven't even recorded yet, let's just, I'm just going to put them all together. Mm-hmm. And so that meant going into the studio and recording some more and then by the time I was introduced to Tony Berg, I had two totally sonically different <laughs> sets of recordings. And so it was like, all right, well, you know, we're going to reconcile these and put these together. Um, another thing, too, is that when and I had to admit this to myself, finally, you know, I spent so much time playing in string bands and also doing solo shows that when it came to playing with other people, it's always been hard for me to warm up a little bit to playing with new people just because I'm so used to playing by myself and I've gotten better at it over the years but over that time when I would bring songs to a band setting I never had a vision for what I wanted the song to sound like I was just like hey this is the song and then if someone played something that I liked we were just like oh yeah that sounds cool Mm -hmm. and so by the time by the time we get through the song it's like my voice and my song are kind of lost in the shuffle because I didn't you know, seek to make that the centerpiece. And what Tony, what how Tony felt about how he wanted to produce the record was your vocal and your guitar and your lyrics need to be in the center. So all of the instrumentation needs to be supporting that. It doesn't need to be taking over your voice. And so we went with that premise. And then it, as we were recording in the studio, it was just like, just seeing how everything was coming together and also working with Tony was really fascinating because the way that he thinks about sound and music is very unique and very interesting. Like, like he explores, he's, he's incredibly open-minded when it comes to making things. And that's exactly what I needed, you know, during that time, this part of my life with this record, with this music, like it was absolutely necessary. And also he was a studio guitarist before being a producer. So some of the songs he actually you know, suggested a couple of different chord changes here and there to kind of add another element to the song. So he even like 
I mean, he, just the way that he was able to, you know, be so supportive and have amazing ideas and, um, and we clicked really well. I mean, we, there was only a couple of instances where we had a disagreement about something and we were able to like reconcile it and figure it out. Nice. So he's just all around great guy to work with and really helped me put these songs to life in a way that, that I never thought I would. So yeah. it was, it was great. Sounds yeah. like it was the perfect balance of kind of allowing you to push your boundaries a little bit and explore a little bit more with your with your music and your work, but then also just mm-hmm. take some input as well from him and maybe hear things in a way you hadn't heard them before. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think sometimes when we play with them, um, I think sometimes, I think sometimes with all musicians, we might play or do the same thing for so long and not realize that like it needs a breath of fresh air because you mm-hmm. kind of just get on the autopilot and you're like, well, it's not that I don't like what I'm doing, but like, I don't know. I kind of need something else. I need something to change. And, you know, yeah. so yeah, it's all good. So for people who are going to the show, you've uh, described your sound as Southern Gothic. And I'm just curious, you know, for those that might not be familiar with that style or genre of music, what does that mean to you as an artist? And what does it mean to the audience as far as what they can expect to hear when they see you perform? So I, uh, I know I came up, I described myself as Southern Gothic a while back. And the way that I came about using that as a, as a descriptor was Spotify had a playlist or they still have a playlist called Southern Gothic. And I, I listened it. to all of, and I listened to the playlist and I was like, oh, this is kind of my vibe. I kind of, <laughs> kind of makes sense, you know? So yeah. And I know at one point I think I'd written like Southern Gothic all country blues blah, blah. <laughs> I just like wrote a whole thing and I, I looking back I'm like god that feels I was getting a little too pretentious there with all those with all of those descriptors I, I, it, to me it felt, it's kind of looking back now it feels that way but but the idea of southern gothic to me you know I think of it as it's kind of a callback to literature it's a term that's used in English literature to describe right that's where I recognized it from yeah 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 to describe stories that are Set in the South, and it's like in this familiar Southern setting, but in the story, there are these sort of sometimes like supernatural or paranormal or uh, macabre kind of leaning, you mm-hmm. know? And so I kind of felt like the music that I do essentially leans into that in, in a lot of ways. And there's another descriptor that I haven't really used all that much, but there's a genre of art called magical realism which is, it's literally the same thing as Southern Gothic, except it's not restricted to the South. It's this idea of like having these real familiar settings, but then adding elements that are just, that are a bit like otherworldly or sci-fi or just kind of out there. And also there's like a, and the sound, it tends to be like a bit darker, you know, Mm -hmm. it creates like a very, creates a very moody kind of, you know, atmosphere, which, you know, I feel like my music has always leaned into that. I, uh, you know, I've kind of, I know there's the term sad girl that's kind of used for like <laughs> a lot of like contemporary, like alternative music. But yeah, I definitely feel like my the music definitely, I think, falls in somewhere in that kind of the category. But yeah, but that's kind of the fun and beauty of it because it's just like I'm writing songs and having fun with it and seeing where the songs go. And so one song can sound more country, another song can sound more rock and roll, another one can have more blues in it. Mm-hmm. But more often than not, all of the elements are kind of there at the same time. To me, it's the best way to play and enjoy music is to just let things happen and try not to have too much pretense or expectations or try to, you know, 
pigeonhole myself too much because I just want to just want to explore and, and see where the journey takes me. So, yeah, yeah, no, that sounds that sounds fun. And I think that comes through in your music, too. Just it does have that kind of bold but moody yet there's a le- an element of play to it too, where you can, that comes through that you're just trying to let these stories take on their own life within the melody and the rhythms of the song. So, yeah. Yeah. So I'm curious then with that, who are your musical influences and inspiration, both present day and then maybe, you know, from the past or that have inspired you along the way? Oh yeah. Well, so like I mentioned, Tori Amos was the big one, but then also um, I really, I've been a huge fan of Radiohead and also a big Bjork fan. I don't know how much of Bjork's musical influence influenced me. I think really just her boldness to like try something incredibly different and new every single time. Yeah, that experimentation, sure. Yeah, yeah, experimentation, yeah. And I guess really that's, you know, that's the same can be said for for Tori and for uh, Radiohead too. Because I'll be be up front, I don't necessarily love every single album, but like what I love is, you know, I've got some that are near and dear to my heart. And then I also appreciate trying something new because you can't please everybody and not everybody is going to like every single thing that you do. And I think if you go down that path, then you're going to be kind of miserable <laughs> because it's just impossible to please everyone. So so I always appreciate and love artists to do that. But those were kind of the, the big three that I listened to a lot in high school. And then some like older artists would be like the Carter family, Olabel Reed, who was a really awesome singer and banjo player. Sister Rosetta Tharp, Big Mama Thornton is another big one. Yeah, and then the Carolina Chocolate Drops are mm-hmm. a big one too. They were they really kind of helped solidify, you know, figuring out where I fit in and in traditional music and as I was learning about the history and then they popped up into, you know, into my view as I was looking at all this and I'm like, oh man, this is great. Let's talk a little bit about this album and how it plays into your current tour and what people might expect when they come to see you at Door Community Auditorium. Yeah, so a lot of the songs that I'm going to be playing at the show are going to be from my latest release called Wary and Strange. I released it last year in June. And it's been interesting trying to release a label debut during a pandemic because usually what that, in the past, what that normally means is that there's just a lot of heavy, heavy touring of the record. And that didn't really happen uh, last year. So, I mean, I did end up playing shows and shows did start to come back um, in the middle of, uh, of 2021, but not in the same capacity that it would have been in other times. So really this ongoing touring of this record, it's kind of sort of been like a start, stop, start, stop sure. kind of momentum. And, you know, I feel like a lot of us in the music industry are all kind of obviously suffering this start, stop, whether you're an artist or uh, a tour manager or, you know, a promoter, um, it's kind of all affected us in a kind of a strange way. And we're all, I feel like we're all adapting the best we can to get these shows back on because, People want it. People are, are coming out to these shows. Everybody is like really excited to just be together in a room again. So yeah, this show and this tour is just a continuation of, you know, touring Wary and Strange. And also, you know, back in December, I did a uh, an EP project called Pensive Pop. And it's uh, four covers of some really iconic, well, at least iconic to me anyway, <laughs> iconic, interesting songs over, I guess, the past like, 20 years of like popular music. So there's going to be, I'm going to be playing some songs from that as well. It'll be a solo show. So it'll be 
me and um, acoustic and electric guitar just going through some of the songs that were in Strange and and a couple of the songs from uh, the the covers EP that's going to be coming out. So nice. So yeah, it'll be good. Well, I think there's something fun too when when you have a solo performance show because it gives audience I feel kind of this this treat that they're not going to get just by listening to the album. When you hear, I mean, there's there's that aspect of hearing an album or hearing a show as it sounds on the album. But I, I don't know, I tend to really enjoy the shows that I've seen where the artist was performing solo. It puts a different spin on the music. And I feel like I, as an audience member, kind of got this once in a lifetime opportunity. Yeah, no, that's a really that's a really cool way of looking at it. I really like that perspective. I think another, another thing too, on top to piggyback on that, when I'm listening to a song, when it's stripped down, it also is a test to see, does this song stand on its own without all of the other things that were on the studio record? And that can be, that can be kind of, that can be scary because yeah, right, right. you know, you're, re- you're, you're really like stripping things down and kind of bearing like, hey, this is the bare bones of the song. And I think for me, it's because I've done solo shows for so long when I, now when I do have a solo show, I've practiced and really trained to put on a solo show to write songs that can stand on their own before getting into the studio and I think that's that's always something that when I sit down to write I you know I'm writing the song but then I'm also thinking about okay how can I you know what can I do to like create a a soundscape with my voice and guitar that's going to be compelling mm-hmm. without adding anything else. So that's always been a constant when I write and when I'm performing. So yeah, I I feel like people will be able to enjoy. Like I said, I've done solo shows for a while, and I feel pretty I feel pretty good about what I've been able to do. And um, the crowd response has always been incredibly positive and fun. So this will be definitely a more like a more intimate, you know, intimate performance. And I just really hope that people enjoy it because I'm really excited to bring it to everybody. So well, it'll, think, it'll be a, it'll be a good night. I think, I think people are just excited to see live music again too. So I, I'm yeah. not, I'm excited for your show and I'm sure I'm not the only one, you know, one thing I was thinking of, and it's, it's something I think of when I go to concerts in general, I know when I see an artist, what songs of theirs I'm hoping to hear and what my favorite ones are, but I'm always curious, do the artists have a favorite one that they really like to perform in the set list. So I'm going to throw that at you. Do you, when you're putting together your set list, do you have kind of like that, that selfish favorite one that you're like, I'm going to perform this just because it's fun and, or it means the most to you, or it's just the one you like to perform. Gosh, it's so hard. Cause you know, I love all, you know, it's I like choosing your favorite child. Course, right. But, right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Usually the ones that don't work out are the ones that don't ever see the light of day. I'm like, ah, that's not going to work, you know? But yeah, I would say one of the songs that means a lot to me to perform is Wild Turkey. Mm. And it's because that song was really kind of like, that song was like the catalyst for me to kind of break free from my repressed grief and really like embrace life in a more open way i mean up until that point you know playing shows and you know being in school studying music playing shows like i've been able to like accomplish quite a bit but until i got over that hump of repressed grief like it was you know i was getting to this point where i was just kind of getting stagnant and kind of kind of flatlining and i had to and i had to figure out why am i just you know, why am I sabotaging myself? Why am I keeping myself in this one spot? And so Wild Turkeys was 
you know, it was written after I started going to therapy. And so that was the song that was kind of like, okay, I'm going to address how I felt, you know, during that time when things, during the time when I was dealing with my mom's death and all of that, and just putting that into a song. Cause that's, that's always been my way to kind of cope with negative things is to put it in a song or to listen to music or whatever. So that was like the big push for me to be like, okay, I realized, you know, why I felt the way I felt all these years. And now I can start making the very slow, gradual steps to move away from living in the past and trying to live in the present and just take what I've learned from the past and apply it to my present as opposed to kind of staying there. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, it's a, so yeah, it's, it's an important song um, that, uh, you know, it's not exactly the most fun song, but it's the most, it's the most meaningful one because it's helped me get me to where I am now. Sure, yeah. sure. Well, I think people are in for a treat just for the simple fact that, you know, everybody's been through so much over the last few years to be back in a room with live music and to have music that tells a story and that people, you know, hopefully will find something to relate to, even if it's not necessarily their personal experience. I think that's the beauty of music and storytelling is there's always something in there somebody can latch on to and relate to. And I think it makes it just that much richer of an experience. So I'm looking forward yeah. to it. Thank you so much for your time and sharing a little bit about your work and your process and have a fantastic show. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm really looking forward to it. We'll see y'all, see y'all soon. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. If you want to support us at The Pulse, check out doorcountypulse.com slash shop, where you can get a weekly Pulse subscription, purchase some incredible Door County artwork from Pulse artist Ryan Miller, and much more. We hope you've enjoyed the Door County Pulse podcast, and we will see you next time.